0: So how do we then, once lives become normal again, implement or, or transition this into how we experience people on a daily basis? Welcome to Dialogues
1: with Max Ferenczi, a podcast about the relationship between art and society. In this series, we will commemorate the year anniversary of the death of Freddie Gray and the Baltimore Rising in two conversations. The first is with photographer Sean Scheit about each of our own experiences documenting the Uprising in pictures and sound. The second is with Brenda Moreno, Samir Taylor, and Dan Kunimoto about their own experiences that week, as well as their responses to the art that we created about the Uprising.
0: Tell me how you started filming the Uprising. Yeah, uh, that was entirely unexpected for me. I'm not a documentary photographer, despite my sort of flirtation, I guess, with the burlesque project. And I, and I do a, I have a small series ongoing about my grandparents. Mm-hmm. Um, I was surprised. I don't, I, something trickled, something burned inside me. It wasn't even a trickle. It was a burn. As soon as that happened, I felt the immediate need to cancel everything hmm. and use the tool I have to tell the story or the story from my perspective. I don't, I don't, I don't even, um, What's the word? I, I won't even dare call myself a photojournalist. I'm not. Um, I, I really respect what photojournalists do. But um, I don't think I am one. I, I I won't hide the fact that I'm just telling the story from my perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not trying to reveal a greater truth. I just felt the need to get out there. Mm-hmm. and, um, eh, So, eh, I don't know.
1: Talk about some of the moments that really stuck out to you during the uprising.
0: Uh, one of my favorite photos to this day is we were we were on this parade route, and I had been, like, just jumping along and running. I was exhausted. We're on Charles Street. At, no, Calvert Street. We're on Calvert Street, going north. And I think to the neighborhood, the march was unexpected, hmm. and there were thousands of people on the street. And I remember we were cutting through this intersection, and nobody complained. People were honking their horns in support, hands mm-hmm. out the window, fist up. Mm-hmm. Then this young woman got out of the car, raised her fist, and in the other hand she's taking a photo, <laughs> and it just that that moment combined with like the best golden hour lighting, like <laughs> ah like I mean that was a moment yeah that for me and and I blocked everyone else out but her, mm-hmm. and of course I guess you need the context of the other photos to tell you what she's doing or why yeah but there's this look on her face of like like act like solidarity like the seriousness that it was it was in her eyes um there's that photo and then the one i mentioned previously the woman crying mm-hmm. um stood out from me, to me and this is a woman who said that she had never seen so many mixed races in her community standing up for yeah. her cause you know and that, that was really touching and she was like 65 67 something like that um and then even one of of the young black child with the white um uh, national guard yeah talk more about how, that um it was really funny because it came off the back of like a lot of facebook hate Mm -hmm. about apparently the fact that i wasn't telling the right story by you know showing the police in a better light when really i had no agenda the show i didn't want to my grandfather was a police officer for 30 years i wasn't going out to purposely shed them in a bad light or shed them in a good light i just was seeing what i saw yeah a lot of it wasn't good but i was seeing what i saw and There's a lot of complaint about it. Well, so oddly enough, and I and I, I refuse to seek out good moments. I just I can only see some things, you know. And I yeah. just sort of wanted to tackle what I saw without any plan. And so I go to the you know the rally at the at City Hall. I'm just just walking up. I hadn't even started taking photos yet. And then there was this sweet moment. They spent maybe thirty minutes together. Hmm. Uh, you know, he was holding the child, he was giving high fives. And I I thought, okay, it was like, well, I better capture this. (laughs) You know, this will, I mean, I I can't lie. Part of me was like, well, this will show him. Um, But it was really a good moment too. You didn't stage them. (laughs) No, no. And you, you you did see the fact, I mean, it was what Nate Larson's uh, work did so well, where he was sort of humanizing the big line of officers and protesters by photographing them individually. Yeah. For me, it's sort of, It did show... They didn't want to be there. National Guard didn't want... They individually did not want to be there. They were sleeping on the street, for God's sake. Nobody wants to do that. Um, And, of course, the citizens didn't want them to do that. But I overheard some of the conversation. And Mm -hmm. the mother was talking about how, you know, she hopes one day her sons can be in the Marines. Mm. And and I thought, okay, this is... You know, if, if this rally... We shouldn't have to be a little bit more incendiary than I had hoped for. But if this rally represents one thing, hopefully it's this kind of future. Yeah, You know... It was nice to see less animosity, Mm -hmm. at least between the National Guard and uh, the citizenry. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, those photos really stood out to me Mm -hmm. more than college kids holding signs. Mm -hmm. You know, I I did try. I, I will say, I did by the second or third day. I did try to like that's enough of people holding signs Hmm. you know i want to find moments of people of people who may have signs in their hands but that are real moments Mm -hmm. so i I did i I did sort of say you know anybody can capture people this is one photograph i have of about nine photographers all huddled together
1: yeah i was going to ask you about that one the one uh,
0: huddled together and he's i think standing on 83 yeah and I, i so the it was sort of an unwieldy protest um disorganized nobody was really leading it Mm -hmm. so some some started to go on 83 and there were about three copters following us and men with guns Mm -hmm. pointing at us saying you know don't go down don't you dare go down here Mm -hmm. and this one guy was the only one who sort of dared after after they got the whole group back from that Mm -hmm. trajectory to lead them onto north avenue they um or at least by way of like i think mount royal but Mm -hmm. uh they tried to get him he, he just stood out there I guess in mm-hmm. defiance well I I will admit I was I was one of those people who, who were out there photographing this guy and he's great I have I actually have that photo mm-hmm. I just I don't share it um, of him with the sign it's really epic looking the prisons on the on the mm-hmm. left hand side the highway the copters are in the sky yeah. but then somebody said to me look at all just all these photographers so then I backed up I said, "Oh, look at all these photographers." (laughs) It's it's almost like it almost became it became a staged moment, essentially. Yeah, you know. So I backed up and I just photographed the the moment being made by photographers.
1: Yeah, that to me, I mean, because I was out there interviewing people, uh, at least uh, the cleanup, and there are a lot of a lot of other people with microphones. You know, yeah, a lot of people with cameras.
0: So, did you feel any pressure to distinguish yourself, or or? I should like you know you're one of the many with recorders Mm -hmm. how are you different in your mind or were you
1: I don't know I wanted to be yeah um I didn't want this to be a I didn't want it to be a sideshow I didn't want to be a circus you know Mm -hmm. I didn't um like you like I wasn't planning on going out there yeah. Um, I've been working on the larger piece, uh, Dignity Before Bread for a while. And, it, you know, it involved spoken word collage together with music. And so that day after the writing, when people are going out and cleaning and there's all these Facebook invite, you know, meetups to clean up and like restore the city. And it was such a, you know, we were all frightened and, and, and traumatized a little from, you know, everything that was going down and that opportunity just to create community and do something good swept me up just like everyone else. And so I wanted to I wanted to document it. I wanted to find a way to express it in a way sometimes I don't think I'm very articulate. Yeah. I feel the same. Um, but not about you, about me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, and so sometimes, because a lot of times, I mean, I do have some hard opinions about things, but a lot of times it's so much based on listening to people. Yeah. I try to listen to as many people as possible and I, and use that to bring together my opinions. And so for me, you know, sometimes articulating things is hard. Um and so that's like my goal, and I, I, that's what I kind of told myself, yeah was like how do I not keep my, make this my angle and that's my, what my difference was i hope
0: yeah your your piece for me represents for me personally the lost hours I actually couldn't be mm-hmm. I, I was at my great grand my great uncle's funeral mm hmm and I, and I would it, it sounds awful but I, I just had the urge I didn't want, I didn't want to be there I wanted mm-hmm. to go and be where you were mm-hmm. at the I only reached I got down there at like four or five mm-hmm. that day for the first bit of it mm-hmm. um, I but I wanted to be there for the yeah for the cleanup and so when I when I look at your stuff I I, I feel like I almost feel like I was there mm-hmm. in a sense mm-hmm. like among the crowd I, mm-hmm. I get that same energy from it good it's like the missing hours you know for me <laughs> Um but that that is interesting the urge to i guess you had the tool and you had the yeah exactly i I had the tool i had yeah and you had yeah and it's almost like i mean you may agree with this or not it's almost like well you have this tool the worst that can come from it is well i don't i just don't use these photos or i don't use the audio yeah no harm no foul Mm -hmm. um the best thing is that well, you add your voice then to a dialogue, hopefully. yeah, hopefully, yeah. yeah,
1: and it's not just it's not just my voice; it's a group of voices, right? right. And you, it's interesting that you say you um, you more remember that week almost more for, through your photographs. I remember that week through my kind of staking out of the area. Oh, that's interesting. So. Most of it was actually recorded. Most of the audio was recorded on that block uh, of uh, Pennsylvania Avenue and North Avenue, mm-hmm. right where, right where that CVS that caught on fire, um, that the infamous CVS. But you know there was a capoeira hold up there earlier in the day. There was music. There was um, art so different projects. From what yes, the news was it was. Betraying. It was really a. It was a cleanup. It was a festival. There's so many things. And so, you know, I I arrive. I parked a couple blocks away. I probably didn't get there till maybe two, Mm -hmm. one or two. And so most of the cleaning was actually done. I mean, you know, it was a big mess from the night before, but people had started early in the morning and there were just so many
0: people there that it was... And you tell me, any other city that has had that reaction? Yeah. I can't... I mean, again, we're at the behest of the media controlling of what we see, but yeah it was I'd never heard of that before it was so amazing to me
1: yeah it was such a it was such a beautiful thing and so I get there and the first person that you hear speak is actually a guy that had this big pallet of water bottles they were just handing out water bottles to everyone you know people that mostly to people that had been cleaning all day um One of the other guys had a, you know, like the dusk mask and trash bags and gloves and working. He was one of the people I interviewed. Um, Several of the people were actually on that line. And uh, for those that weren't there, um, there was two lines of people between the crowd of cleaners, protesters, community festival people, however you want to describe it, and the line of police that was basically blocking off the west side of the intersection on north avenue they were there explicitly to protect the police and to protect right. the protesters you know those things and so that's also part of it. like this is a story that needs to be told right yeah. this is something that the news whose responsibility and again there's great journalists yeah. but a lot of i don't know if it's you could call it commercial news or whatever but just it doesn't show that it just shows the
0: black people versus the police Well, like it's ratings yeah it's very you know good guy bad guy type. yeah i did find particularly among that uh, epicenter mm-hmm. the level of dialogue was mm-hmm. pretty strong mm-hmm. um which i thought was really cool i've never seen that before mm-hmm. honestly i mean in baltimore at least i've never seen that before um i think that your, your recording only reinforced that because mm-hmm. it echoed some of the things i heard on the street yeah. um some of the people I photographed were talking actually there's this photograph of a gentleman I'm thinking of he's engaging the police line mm-hmm. and he's like Jesus, his arms are outstretched mm-hmm. he's yeah, I had a question about that. what was he saying? I wasn't sure it was i don't he was ba- he was talking i don't remember i'm going to be awfully paraphrasing him, but he was talking a lot about how you know we're not against you mm. we're against the policies we're against the bad cops mm-hmm. and it, again, it was you you mentioned this mm-hmm. it, it it was the distinction between. You know we just want bad people punished when they do bad things, yeah we 're not against the idea of police, yeah <laughs> we 're not nuts, we yeah. know we need policing um, he basically was saying that, yeah it, it, to sum up it, I mean, he much better i 'm sure than I was, and much more gesticulative than I was mm, yeah but um and I, was, I, I found myself very curious what the officers must have been thinking because they yeah. stood there emotionless
1: that's that's the one thing i mean i tried even to get um national guard to be interviewed for this podcast but you know understandably due to all the things happening this is being recorded while some of the trials are happening they weren't eager to participate because they didn't know how it would be spun or any of those things going on but that's one of the voices i wish i had more of i mean i the benefits of being in a protest you can go up to people and they're generally pretty open and you know tell me your thoughts you I didn't feel as comfortable just approaching someone in the police line. I mean, like, tell me what you think about this. Because to be honest, they probably wouldn't they would have answer, yeah. been able to answer, and it'd just been kind of—it would be asking them to do something I was pretty sure would have been out of their boundary.
2: The one, one thing that's really interesting that happens when we address issues both I think both in our, our personal lives and with issues in society is this polarization of justice. So what happens is if we feel like a victim then somebody has to be a perpetrator or if we feel like we're right on an issue then a certain other group or the person in front of you has to be wrong there's not we don't generally think in 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 a spectrum where we think you know this person I can have a dialogue with this person and arrive at some sort of understanding it's I mean it's embedded in in a lot of the things that we do and engage in in society look at our politics in in America it's a two-party system so you pick one side you know your your own beliefs or your own political understanding most resonates with and then you vote for them that's the way it works in our society that also paints this picture of how we view other things as well in society and so unless we go through a sort of a Adjustment of how we view these these issues, both in our own lives and how we address them, that, and that's why I'm such a I'm a big proponent of dialogue. When we talk about issues, when we there there's also common denominators that we end up talking about or we end up discovering about what we share in a conversation that we have. And then those commonalities can become um, sort of the sources or the, the springboard for a greater connection with you know another human being and their argument or whatever it is. And unless we sort of address things from that standpoint, we'll sort of cut off the things that we address. So to me, uh, part, partly what happens in, in protests is that I, I see it as only part of a picture towards a, a larger solution.
0: But what now mm-hmm. great this is all i support all this but like how do we affect this change or how do we turn this energy into benefiting the city mm-hmm. right now while, while the protests are great it's like the city's at a standstill nobody's living their normal lives mm-hmm. so how do we then once lives become normal again implement or or transition this into how we experience people on a daily basis. And I thought, well, that's interesting, you know, as far as like policy change and stuff, but it's more interesting to me is how, how, how do you choose to then coexist? Yes. With others. And I think that's the bigger question. I don't know if
1: the, how we experience people on a daily basis is the words he used, but that's now definitely
0: paraphrasing, but, but
1: that's, that's how I think that specific question is the most important question. Right. Yeah. Um, how do
0: we, how do we frame and how do we see the other, because you know, I am I'm a, I'm a white guy who grew up in the county, and mm-hmm. you know, likewise. So my experience is much different. So, yeah. so, with all of this exposed to daylight and having been in the midst of it, how do I then go forth? Well, I
1: think to be honest, that's that's the biggest question, and that's actually to how I
0: view or what I want to do with some of my music. Yeah. Well, I see this as a direct relation to i mean you your, your phrase dignity before bread sums it up mm-hmm. and it sums up in contrast to what i said before about the like church is coming in just giving food mm-hmm. giving sandwiches or whatever that's good in the immediate immediacy but really what's being asked mm-hmm. dignity yes. human dignity is being asked mm-hmm. you know, if there was a modicum of respect towards freddie as he went in mm-hmm. just as a human being yeah he may not be dead yeah um no, I, I completely. I mean, agree granted, with that. at the end of the day, no, nobody really knows because we weren't there. Yeah, but dignity is what's being asked for before any of that, like handouts or welfare or money being thrown. Mm-hmm. At, you know, I think our solution as a society is often just to throw money at it. That doesn't. Well,
1: we were talking before, and I think you were talking about um, when you walked back from one of the protests. And
0: either you asked, uh, uh, no, gentleman. American- yeah, gentleman said hi to me. Yeah, okay, and I was just telling him I was coming back from photographing. And he asked me what I thought. I said, oh. I, I felt really on the spot. He <laughs> was an older, you know, probably sixty-year-old mm-hmm. black man is asking me my thoughts on police and race, racial issues, mm-hmm. and I felt like a silly white boy <laughs> more than I've ever felt like a silly white boy. <laughs> and, he, I, You know, I, I can't remember the words exactly, but he made it about the daily life, mm-hmm. the living. And I was giving him all these, like, grand sort of statements about social justice and racial inequality and in Baltimore. And I guess it sounded a bit pedantic or mm-hmm. uh, pretentious to him. And he was just like, right, we got boys without fathers here. Mm-hmm. We got... Um, recidivism in, you know, prison mm-hmm. po- or prison population. We have, you know, families that are split apart. And so what, basically, was what he was saying. Like, yeah. like, what does any of that have to do with? Well, I think the, that's... The, like, it, I mean, it has everything, but then it also has nothing to do with. You know what I mean? It's like, when you get down to that micro level, what are the needs that need to be met immediately? And that's, to me the
1: more important question and being able to keep it you know understand what larger policy questions need to happen mm-hmm. but being able to really if you if you forget that you know kids without fathers you you've missed the point i think
0: it's the opposite of seeing the forest through the trees right it's like yeah you don't want to just see the forest when it's comprised of all these you know Things that, you know, need to be attended to. are Beautiful trees.
1: Right. That maybe have some blight or something, but beautiful trees nonetheless. Yeah. Yeah. And so for a lot of my music, that's what I'm trying to really get to. When I was, I was, I've been thinking about, I've been trying to write stuff like this for a while, but I didn't know how. And I, I blame Bert told Brecht for part of that. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> <laughs> who, for those of you who don't know, he is an early twentieth-century German Marxist playwright. Um, a lot of his stuff talks about really like deconstructing a piece, um, having actors wear masks so you're not seeing it, and you're really looking at the roles. Yeah, and it's very intellectual, and I don't want you to be intellectuals. So you can use theater to critique. Yeah. the social situation.
0: I like burlesque.
1: Yeah. What? Yeah, but... A bit more heady. A lot more heady. And that, for me, being someone who just is very analytic already, mm-hmm. that just didn't create good art for me. The music I try to write now is opposite of what my reading isn't Bertolt Brecht wanted me to do, right? I'm not interested in, in what people's roles are. It's important to know that it's important to know that that a police officer is functioning has to enforce laws and policies that that person did not make right so it's important to know that but what I'm really interested in knowing about is those humans
0: yeah your, your song <clears throat> did to me excuse me what uh, Nate Larson's photos did mm-hmm. um, where he took this giant massive lineup mm-hmm. or you could say like you know just abstract even more like what this, what the gentleman was talking to me about on the mm-hmm. street like this you have this massive Concepts, mm-hmm. Intellectual concepts about racial injustice and mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. And, and whereas Nate reduced the lineup to individuals. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've told stories tangential to other things going on in the world yeah. that were sort of enlightening about those experiences. Like the, the gentleman, Mohammed, I guess, who mm-hmm. set, set himself on fire. Um, that was very There's always a mother. Yeah. You know? Um, but we don't like to think... We don't like to think the Paris attackers had mothers. No. We don't like to think... Even gosh, even the Planned Parenthood nutjob yeah. had mothers. Yeah, had a mother, but they didn't, and they, and he does. So we don't necessarily. Uh, even more so when the race is involved. You know, yeah. you you have the gentle loner who was the Planned Parenthood attacker. Yeah. and you have the son of a heroin addict who was Freddie Gray. Yeah, as presented popularly by media. Um, so even that's skewed, but I think your stories within song did a very good job at um, highlighting that or like zooming in mm-hmm. you know um, yeah. you, can, you can get a little bit far removed intellectually intellectually from things where you start calling out everything and everyone mm-hmm. or just too heady about it and, you, and you're not really focused on okay great now we've discussed this in a policy forum mm-hmm. for blah 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 how does how do we pay our rent? Yeah, you yeah, know, or how, exactly. or like how do, how do we actually change schools? And
1: now, voices of the Baltimore Uprising in how Baltimore protests. What we're doing now today, we're really trying to get our people to understand: if the cops are standing in front of
2: us, that's
1: not the ones we 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 mad at.
2: I wouldn't say. It's I don't an think it's an, an attack, attack on, on police. the police. I think it's <laughs> an
1: outburst of frustration. I
2: think it's an attack on injustice. The
1: city and the state have not heard the people in the community.
2: we met at the six officers that uh, killed the young man, and it was wrong. Um, it may seem as though it is a direct attack on the police, but no. They're making the good cops look so bad. The bad cops are making good cops look. There should be no reason that a, a group of people that are supposed to protect us are hurting us. The guy who did the thing is the one who writes the report? That doesn't make sense. And are injuring us and, and are, are continue to uh, marginalize us as a people. It's not fair. But the, the fact of the matter is we're out here, we're cleaning our neighborhood, and we're Luther King said that a riot is the language of the unheard, and they're angry about it. And their response to it is that they're tired. So when people quote Martin Luther King, oh, he wouldn't like this, but he wouldn't condemn it because he understands what a riot is. And then the only way that they're being heard is through their anger. So we're going to experience violence in places that we don't want to experience violence because of the the, the cry out that is understand what riot is and we're cleaning up after our children who were released out of school without parental guidance. They don't have after-school programs, you know, they don't have community centers, they don't have basketball courts. They might have them on the street, but we need indoor basketball courts so adults can keep an eye on them. And why isn't there anything going on right now? Because adults are keeping eyes on people. Everybody understands that. Issue, and the world is going to respond to how Baltimore responds to it. I think knowledge is the number one key to also turning things around. People need to know and be able to understand what they're doing
1: and what is actually going on it's about education on the situation i like to have city involvement and community involvement to people working together to bring real change. Really, we just wish everybody come together and just let's make it, let's do it the right way and let's make it work.
2: understands that, you know, and that's that's all I want y'all to know.
1: In the next episodes of the series, we'll hear larger work that weaves together voices from Baltimore, Spain, and Tunisia titled Dignity Before Bread. In addition to Dan's comments that we heard earlier, we'll also hear more of that conversation between him, Brenda, Samir, Sean, and I about their experiences during the uprising and their responses to the music. Visit maxferency.org to hear the musical works discussed and to see some of Sean's photos. You can also visit seanshite.com to see his full collection of work to buy his book of photos from the uprising. This has been Dialogues with Max Ferency. Until next time, thank you for listening.